Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome to 2021. I know we're just a couple, three days into this new year, and we figured we would take our first few days of 2021 and look at the state of theology. It's a brand new survey that uh, Ligonier Ministries had published uh, has 35 statements on here where respondents could say they agree or they disagree. And so far, we've just looked at a handful of these statements. Uh, today, we're going to look at statement number 11. And by the way, you can find this survey at thestateoftheology.com. I think one of the helpful tools of the survey this year is that you can take the survey yourself or you can create a group survey with your family or your church family. And I think that would be a wonderful way of kind of checking the theological temperature of where you're, got, where you're at. So here's statement number 11. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. Now, it's not surprising that uh, 65% of the general population agrees that everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. But on the evangelical side, it's not that much better. 46% of evangelicals believe that everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. Hmm. That's, uh, that's troubling to hear that from, uh, from so many, 46% of, of evangelicals. The doctrine of, uh, we think of uh, the acronym TULIP. Uh, which I know many listeners will be familiar with, the T in TULIP is total depravity. And uh, it, that refers to the biblical doctrine, and we could, we could spend a lot of time here laying a biblical foundation for the idea that we are totally in need of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Our nature is so depraved that we cannot make our way to God. The, the sin is so pervasive in our lives that we cannot on our own, make our way to God and, and please God. We need a Savior. And, and nor do we want to. The fallen nature doesn't want God. Doesn't, doesn't want God. Uh, one, of the, one of the most frequently quoted verses, and I'll quote it right now, is Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart, and talking about the human heart, is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Mm-hmm. Who can understand it? And one of one of the aspects of our deceit that and the, maybe the most important word there, the heart is deceitful. In other words, the human heart is a liar. And one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves is, you know, I'm really pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so are you. Uh, we're, we're all just pretty good old people. And we don't know uh, how far we, we, as uh, Romans chapter three says, all have sinned and fall short. Part of our deceit is we don't know how short we fall of the glory of God. Um, we are in need of a Savior. 
Well, and and this is a point that uh, the Bible has pointed out from the beginning. With the fall of Adam, sin uh, was passed on to all men. And you know, when we talk about total depravity, you know, we're talking about how uh, sin has corrupted everyone. Now, total depravity doesn't mean that we're all as bad as we could be. Right. Um, and that that's a misunderstanding. There is plenty of room for deprovement in our lives. And we see, uh, we see that deprovement uh, taking place um, over individual lives, you know, so uh, there is a graver evidences of, of this depravity in certain individuals. We're not, we're not Stalins and Hitlers and stuff, you know, by, by general rule. But that doesn't mean that we are good by nature. That means that there have been restraining forces in our lives. You know, the, the, the Holy Spirit not only convicts of sin, but he restrains a, a great deal of sin in this world. And the same way a, a policeman on the corner restrains a, a heavy foot on the gas pedal. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the a restraining influence upon a society by the laws that God has created in natural law as well as the Ten Commandments and the Holy Spirit that, you know, affects our conscience and our heart. But that has to happen because we are sinful by nature. I think part of—you guys might disagree with me on this. I don't know. I didn't talk to you about it off air. But um, I think part of the confusion might be the the blurring of the lines between a person's essence and a person's nature. So like if we ask the question, are human beings good in their essence? I would answer, well, yeah, because we're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are we good in our nature? No. 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 The Bible is clear on that. There is no one that's righteous. There's no one who does good, not even one. And, I, and I've and i you know taught this doctrine of total depravity in um, classes before at our church, and I try to to shock people a little bit into to showing how bad we actually are. Even the good works of unsaved people are evil. Yes, that's um, right. And, and we need to carefully explain what that means. So, so you're saying that if an unsaved person builds a hospital, that's an evil thing? Well, let's make distinctions. The hospital being built itself is good, but the motive behind it the motive, the reason why that unsaved person built that hospital, the scripture is clear. If it's not done by faith in Jesus Christ, whatsoever is not a faith is, is sin, sin. We read yeah. if it's not done for the glory of God, it's sin. So it might be a great, and, and thank God for common grace. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, we have so many things that unbelievers have contributed to society that have helped human humanity progress. But those things are not attributed to them as righteous deeds before God's throne. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad you introduced the concept of common grace because that, that's important. Um, that there is uh, that God does restrain evil in the world, mm-hmm. and there is a, a, a goodness in people. But you even even that goodness that's the, the result of common grace that the god has bestowed on the whole world because we're all as you say we're all created in god's image right but our nature is such that none of that meets the standard of god's righteousness yeah even though we benefit from common grace yeah and we thank and, god and, for and it. we thank god for it absolutely um but that does not meet the standard of God's holiness the standard of God's righteousness that we fall short you know I, i'll make a confession here for for years in my ministry 
I often used the analogy that we are like drowning people. And if I'm out in the lake and I'm drowning and I'm flailing away in the water, um, I, I would use the analogy with people to say, at that moment, I don't need swimming lessons. I don't need swimming instruction, how to be a better swimmer. No, I need somebody to jump into the water and save me. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I used to, I used to use that analogy in teaching and I thought it was, and it wasn't original to me, but I, I thought it was a, a, a clever analogy of the gospel until I heard R.C. Sproul one day teaching on that analogy. And he said, and, and I'm going to try and quote him as closely as I can. I don't remember his exact words. He said, apart from Christ, you're not flailing in the water, drowning. You're dead. You're at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jesus dove into the water and he swam to the bottom and picked you up and breathed life into you and carried you to the surface. And that's the gospel that we were dead in our sins, not struggling in our sins, not in danger in our sins, dead, dead as a post, lifeless. And we needed our our Savior to come into the world and give us life. That's right. I love that analogy. You know, Shylin actually did a rap song. (laughs) I know know you're very much into (laughs) Shylin. Can you do that for us? I'm I'm smiling and nodding over here. I have no idea what you're talking about. But but, but he showed he he did the same thing. He's like, no, no, you're not you're not you're not drowning. You're dead. Yeah. You're you're mm-hmm. bloated at the bottom of the ocean. Yes. And Jesus and I think that concept of being dead in sin is a very difficult concept for for many evangelicals to grasp as if it it's just kind of a, an analogy. It's a way of talking about our 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 guilt before God, but actually it's very descriptive of our ability. Mm-hmm. When, when a person is in a dead in a graveyard, they have no ability. Yes. When a person is spiritually dead, they have no ability or desire to come to God. And that's what we see in scripture over and over and over again. The far side had a, you know, back Gary Larson would do those cartoons and one of them has uh, the Acme salesman on the outside of the cemetery and he's trying to get in and and the ghoul on the inside says, I'm sorry, we're dead. <laughs> and and, uh, and this is, you know, this is the this is the problem. People don't all dead you cannot do anything with. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Princess Bride, you know. <laughs> He's mostly, mostly dead. Mostly yeah. dead. I think, we, I think we have a mostly dead theology. In we the have a mostly dead. Mm-hmm. Like if we uh-huh. just appeal to the will enough, if we just make our speech winsome enough, of course we should make our speech winsome. I mean, Jesus was mm-hmm. was was a uh, master rhetorician, mm-hmm. but that is not um, decisive and ultimate in a person's salvation. Mm-hmm. It's it, unless the Spirit of God breathes life into that human being, they will not respond to the gospel. Well, mm-hmm. you know, even the founders of, uh, of of the United States understood uh, the depravity of men, and they they in fact. The very structures that we had in place, however imperfectly they're used, are the checks and balances, of, you know, because they understood this matter of 
being sinful, not just a little bit, but given the opportunity, we will do even more and more. So the the cynical nature said, you know, uh, we're going to put these checks and balances. Uh, we have the legislative, the judicial, and the executive branch. And um, because of the uh, blessed are the cynical, we understand that people are not good by nature. They, they by nature, we're sinful beings. That's right. Yeah, and well, this may be too much uh, minutia, but I'm going to go there anyway. You're talking about the, our Constitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chief author of the Constitution was Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton was a student of uh, Witherspoon at Princeton. Witherspoon was a teacher of Orthodox Calvinist theology. Now, Hamilton's own Christianity was, uh, was questionable, and I don't, I don't know that much about what his personal beliefs were, but I, I don't think he was an Orthodox Christian. But one thing that he did pick up from John Witherspoon at Princeton was the doctrine of total depravity mm-hmm. and the, the weakness uh, of, of human nature and that we are prone to sin and we needed those checks and yeah. balances and guards. Yeah, the uh, good that we want to do, we don't do. We but don't that do. the very thing that we don't want to do, that we do is what yeah. Paul Who Paul will says. save me from this body of death? Thanks be to Thanks God. Be through to God. Jesus Christ, Amen. our Lord. Amen. Will you be listening to the Gospel for Life? If you've missed any of our previous broadcasts, just go to The Gospel for Life in your podcast machine and you can subscribe. We'll see you later. 